from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. Day 77, I was hauled off to jail. And what was so amazing is that the activists really taught themselves how to do this litigation. Researched it all and, and uh, wrote letters and asked questions. And This is our land. We should be a part of the decision making and that's not happening. That's who they need to subsidize, the, the private forest owners. And they're still doing these clear-cutting techniques that as we see them in the film, they're just so shocking to think this would be allowed on public land. This is still their strategy. I'm Sarah Fenske. A new documentary looks at how environmental activists stopped commercial logging in the Shawnee National Forest in the 1990s. It shows what happened when environmentalists occupied the forest in southern Illinois. They managed to use their bodies to block the logging equipment and ultimately use new legal strategies to block the clear-cutting in court. Activists involved in the Shawnee Showdown managed to stop commercial logging in the forest for 17 years. So using our bodies was a method that uh, has come from Earth First, which started mainly out in the West. And it's the only tool we had, you know. We didn't have the bulldozers and, you know, all the machines and the heavy trucks and everything. And, and so it was just, it was the only tool we had. So we just thought, well, we'll just sit down in the middle of the logging road and if they want to come through, they're going to have to go through us. And eventually they did. <laughs> you know, they've, they've told me that I can no longer stay in my public public land and forest that I own. Um, they've told me that uh, they're going to come in and uh, physically remove me if uh, I don't want to go. And at some point you just have to, as Edward Abbey say, had, had said, draw a line in, in the sand and say, thus far and no farther. And that footage comes from a new documentary film telling this history by Cade Burcell. Shawnee Showdown, Keep the Forest Standing, combines archival footage with contemporary interviews to explain what happened and where the forest is today. And joining me now in studio to talk about it is John Wallace. He's an environmental activist who was an organizer during the Shawnee National Forest occupation. And he, of course, is featured in the film Shawnee Showdown. John, welcome. Thanks, Sarah. And we're also joined today by Kate Burcell. She's a professor of cinema at Southern Illinois University Carbondale and the director of Shawnee Showdown, Keep the Forest Standing. Cade, welcome. Yeah, nice to be here. So, Cade, give us some context here. What is the Shawnee National Forest? Oh, my goodness. It's such a beautiful place. It's um, 289,000 acres. It stretches along 14 counties at the southern um, part of the state. It consists of um, mixed forests. I, I, you have to come down. <laughs> That's what I would say. Um, cypress, tupelo swamps, wetlands, um, wilderness areas, natural areas. It's When I first arrived um, for my job interview, I arrived in St. Louis, and I drove south, and it just was so flat. And I thought, oh, my goodness, what, what am I doing? <laughs> And then I just reached this place, which was surrounded by the Shawnee National Forest, and it was just a very, very different environment. It's, it's, um, it's very hilly. There are a lot of cliffs. 
the the forest is rich in biodiversity and it's an extraordinary place and so it makes sense that so many people want to protect it. Yeah, it comes across so well in this film, just how beautiful this place is. And it became such a flashpoint um, around the year 1990. What made it um, such a focus of controversy, Cade, at that point? Well, um, John probably could speak uh, better to this, but I would say that, um, and I'll just touch into it and and then pass it to John, Um, you know, it was the same period as the Redwood Summer. It was the same period where activists were asking questions about public lands across the country. And so, of course, they were also looking to where they lived. And so protesters here um, were seeing that the Shawnee National Forest was um, being hit by clear cut after clear cut across the forest. And so they gathered together. And this this place, this one particular place seemed to be the galvanizing point. It was called the Fairview Timber Sale. And um, there were protests there. There was an encampment that occurred. And then at the same time, as you mentioned earlier, there was this litigation. And this litigation was key. They they fed on each other. You had to have the direct action happening. And um, you had to draw attention to what was going on. And that's what the direct action and and the protests were effectively did. And then the litigation occurred at the same time. And what was so amazing is that the activists really taught themselves how to do this litigation. They went into legal libraries and and did the research that needed to happen. I was so impressed by that. I don't even know if I I would be able to to work my way through all of these documents and and learn how to do that. And so these parallel tracks really um, were impressive. And I thought, uh, when I first arrived here, I didn't I didn't know about the story. I was teaching about the Shawnee National Forest, bringing students into the into the Shawnee National Forest. I began to hear these little pieces of this story and thought, oh, we really need to preserve this story. It's such an important um, story to tell. And so I began asking folks um, if they'd share their stories with me. And John, that I think brings us to you. Um, This is a a forest and a a specific part of the forest, this Fairview area, where you put your body on the line for months on end in 1990. Um, What led so many of you activists to that specific area? You know, it's it's amazing. Uh, Cade touched on the beauty of the Shawnee. It's it's a magical place. And, and of course, we all had that motivation that the forest was, it, it, it's a public place that, that belongs to all of us, every citizen in the country. And uh, when I learned about the fact that they wanted to clear cut it and that they would lose taxpayer money, uh, all of this, I thought, this is just crazy. Why are we doing this? We have such a little amount of public land in the state of Illinois anyway. Um, and I want to cut in here. I mean, this is old growth forest. And as becomes clear in the film, they were just cutting this down and it would be turned into like pallets. Like this wasn't like they had this like master plan to make money off this. The, the state was losing money. Yes, it's and and it's continuing to this day. Yeah, we subsidize the timber industry to to cut our our public land. Makes no sense whatsoever. And 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 then to meet these people that that were doing the litigation. And and I, I went to a court hearing. Um, it was so impressive. 
Mm-hmm. You know, they were going up against a bank of U.S. district attorneys, <laughs> you know, the, the practiced law professionals. These, these folks went into the law library in Southern Illinois University and researched it all and, and uh, wrote letters and asked questions. And, and, and they actually just had a, an incredible amount of success. Yeah, they really you know, did. They, they really, it was a struggle. It was very difficult. Um, but what an inspiration that was. And uh, um, I thought, you know, that was a place to draw the line. Yeah. So, John, you activists who were there on the ground in all of this archival footage, you guys refer to yourself as Earth First. And this was a big movement out west, kind of a radical environmental group. Were you guys ever officially affiliated or did you just take that name? You admired what they were doing. I still am Earth First. <laughs> I, I, I can say proudly. I Earth First is is not an organization. It's more of a philosophy yeah. of, of of treating the, the Earth first, taking the earth, the considerations of Mother Earth into into our lives in in general, and and uh, that movement was very active then. Yeah, um, and uh, we had national support. Other people came from around the country. We had local support. It was amazing when we decided to set up this encampment. The neighbors started bringing us food. Um, one of the um, one of the neighbors was a water hauler, and he brought us uh, fifty-five gallon drums, and he would fill up our water uh, drums every so often. That's a great neighbor to have. You know, another neighbor had a pond where we could, you know, go swimming and 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 cool off uh, in the hot summer. I mean, it 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 just wasn't, uh, um, you know. It, we realized we were there for the long haul. Yeah, so this occupation is a remarkable thing. The film really delves into this. I'm gonna play a short clip from this. This is Jan Wilder Thomas, who was one of the activists. She was being interviewed by TV journalist Gary Wolf about this occupation. So you've been out here how long now? For 35 days. Uh, camping out right down here? Earth First has been maintaining an occupation and a vigil, a 24 hour a day vigil for Fairview Woodlands. Well, let's take a walk down and see All where right. you've been camping out here. Now, you've renamed this. This was built as a logging road, but you're calling it what? The people have redesignated it as a hiking oh, really? trail, <laughs> camping area. The highest use of this area for the greatest number of people for the longest amount of time. And the, the waiting period that you're here, you've been here for a certain amount of time, you're waiting on a court decision. Yes, the federal judge is ruling on whether the Forest Service was really illegal when they prepared this sale. That's our contention. That's the documentation that Race has laid out. So this is where people hang out while they're uh, waiting for the decision. Is that it? Living room and kitchen. Yeah. And so that is the activist Jan Wilder Thomas, as interviewed in the film Shawnee Showdown, Keep the Forest Standing. We're joined today by the documentary filmmaker Cade Burcell, as well as activist John Wallace, who was there in that encampment. So, John, at that point, you're about at the halfway mark of the occupation. It went on for another month after that. How did they finally end this 79-day standoff? Well, um, they brought in law enforcement from around the country, uh, stationed them 24 hours a day at the gate of the timber sale. And uh, many uh, environmentalists, myself included, tried to stop physically the uh, equipment from entering um, the uh, forest. Um, I used a bicycle lock around my neck uh, and attached it to a log skidder. 
Um, the U.S. Forest Service uh, uh, used an acetylene torch to cut off uh, part of, the, actually, part of the log skitter. Um, and and uh, I was escorted to jail <laughs> after that. And this was your 30th birthday. It, it was. And it was day 77 um, out of a 79-day encampment. So on your 30th birthday, they haul you off to jail. Um, the other activists held out as long as they can, a couple more days after that until they were finally basically all rounded up. Well, actually, what eventually happened was we won an injunction, which was why we went there in the first place. So day 77, I was hauled off to jail. And in day 78, the attorney for uh, these uh, plaintiffs that were pro se to begin with, but had a... Meaning uh, they were their own lawyers. Exactly. Yeah. And and then the attorney called that was represented, uh, representing them in the appellate court and said, we got the stay. Um, and it took probably another 24 hours for all of the equipment to get out of the forest. So they didn't really log a full day. But, uh, and I'm believing there were... <sighs> maybe 16, 11, 16 arrestees um, in, uh, in that process. And so we, we did actually win this uh, injunction, which uh, gave us uh, um, a great bit of relief in, uh, for, the, for the time being. Yeah, and that injunction ended up leading to other really big, uh, good things. Um, and you know what? We're going to have to take a quick break, but we will explore that as we come back from this break. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at choosewood.com. Welcome back. We are talking about a new documentary film. It's called Shawnee Showdown, Keep the Forest Standing. Details what happened in the summer of 1990 in the Shawnee National Forest in southern Illinois. We're joined today by the director of that film, Cade Burcell, as well as environmental activist John Wallace. Uh, I want to get into uh, the legal strategy that ended up really being successful here, even as this occupation, uh, they were trying to bring it to a halt. But I have to ask a question first that came in on Twitter. Uh, C.D. Selzer writes on Twitter, ask John about the Pomona General Store. The Pomona General Store was a um, an organizing point. The owners of the Pomona General Store, uh, Dr. Joe Glisson and, and his uh, wife, Jackie Turner, um, really, they were plaintiffs in the case. Um, it was where everyone went um, uh, about their concerns. Um, uh, where where we organized um, the Pomona General Store was our closest uh, uh, our our closest store, so we could get supplies um, at the encampment. And and Joe and Jackie are just uh, 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 were amazing. Unfortunately, Joe Glisson is no longer with us. Mm -hmm. He was a uh, um, a mentor of mine um, and just an an incredible activist um, and. Uh, very uh, motivating source of, of energy and, and, and support. And, mm. and uh, so they, 
they played an important role in this whole process. Okay, that was sort of the organizing hub there. Well, so as we were talking about right before the break, um, you know, you were able to get a stay in court, and that basically put a halt to this logging. It ended up turning into basically a 17-year ban. And, Kate, you get into this in the film, and, and legal strategy can be so complicated, but I feel like the, the film does a good job of, of just sort of explaining briefly what happened. It was sort of this new legal strategy uh, that they tried. Yeah, they were going, um, they started out going after um, each um, logging project, and that seemed to be problematic. It, it wasn't getting anywhere. And so um, uh, Tom Bouchel was on board then. He was from Jenner and Block out of Chicago, and he was working with them pro bono, which was, you know, really terrific. And he was a very committed, um, um, he was very committed to to the project. And so he decided to go, with everybody, um, decided to go after the forest plan. And, um, and he tells the story in the film about that process, what they thought they needed to do to be successful. Um, and so they also uh, litigated the Migratory Bird Act. And that was, that was the first time that um, anyone had gone after the Forest Service plan, a Forest Service plan, or the Migratory Bird Act. And so it was really a groundbreaking uh, case. And they won that. Mm. And, and um, that's really what brought the 17-year injunction, put the 17-year injunction into place. And then, unfortunately, that injunction was lifted. And currently, thousands of acres are um, are currently scheduled to be logged on the Shawnee National Forest, thousands and thousands of acres. So, uh, so that's really heartbreaking after all that work. John, thinking about this work and the legal strategy that you took, Cade mentioned that, you know, there was this, this lawyer working for free who, who was running point on this case, but that this was something everybody agreed on, um, that you guys were all sort of a part of, of deciding where to take this and, and how to commingle this activism and the fight in, in the court. You know, we've seen so many movements that end up sort of devolving into squabbling, and it's hard to figure out the direction when you have sort of a diffuse group like this. What made things work for you guys? You know, the, it's first of all, it's, it's the forest, the Shawnee forest. Uh, um, it's unique in 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 of itself, um, but also a big part of it was the fact that not only was the environment, um, the forest being damaged, they're losing money. That was a great argument to make. And and so uh, we had both uh, um, conservatives and liberals alike that said, this is just not, this makes no sense. If we're going to sell our, our timber, we'll make money off it. You know, don't, don't sell it below cost. And that's the problem. You, you know, it, it um, not only are we, are we damaging this incredible ecosystem, we're also throwing our tax dollars away. It's not the forest services forest, nor is yeah. it their money. It's our money. It's our forest. And did you welcome those allies, even if they didn't <clears throat> share your core commitment to environmentalism? They were useful for this argument. They were, and we did. And and that is how campaigns are, are so successful. And, you know, Cade, this, it, it, so much of what has happened in the Shawnee is groundbreaking. And I think that where we are right now, 
with the logging currently. I mean, we are, Kate is correct, we're facing anywhere between five and 7,000 acres of, of logging. Clear-cut style logging is scheduled for the Shawnee. And are we going, they're still losing money. Are we going to go through that again? And they're still doing these clear-cutting techniques that as we see them in the film, they're just so shocking to think this would be allowed on public land. This is still their strategy? It is. It is. And and I think it, it comes from the fact that the uh, our national forest system rests in under the Department of U.S. Department of Agriculture, and agriculture produces products. Mm-hmm. You know that is what this you know uh, our great part of our economy is based on. Um, but the problem is they're not subsidizing the growers of the trees. That's what the Department of Agriculture really need. That's who they need to subsidize the the private forest owners. Um, not sell, selling our, our trees at below cost. Um, but, um, but right now we have a, a proposal that is, I think it, it's groundbreaking and I think we can do it because I think the Shawnee is, is the place and I think we can build those, those uh, bridges that, like we built in the 90s, in the 1990s, where we can get conservatives and liberals alike to join us. Tell us what this proposal is. We have a proposal to transfer the Shawnee National Forest out of the U.S. Department of Agriculture and into the U.S. Department of the Interior and create the Shawnee National Park and Climate Preserve. You know, we we have one mechanism on land, on this whole planet, that is the most efficient, the most effective, and the best way to, to take carbon out of the atmosphere than, than has ever been discovered. And it's, they do it for free. It's called forests. Yeah. And, and every time these heavy pieces of equipment go into a forest, they destroy the, the forest's ability to capture, store, and sequester carbon. And they do it for years on end. And, and so this is, this is our proposal. Let's, let's, Let's move it over to the Department of the Interior, have them focus on recreation, recreation uses. That is the best use for our forest anyway. And mm-hmm. then while that's happening, it helps the wildlife and also uh, sequesters and stores the most amount of carbon and, and hopefully gets us out, helps to get us out of this climate emergency that we're facing. So, Cade, when you first got involved with this story, it sounds like, you know, as you came into your job in Carbondale, you started hearing stories about this amazing history, all this groundbreaking litigation, this this amazing standoff, the occupation of the forest. Did you realize at the point that you first started exploring this, wow, there's like some real current issues here that, you know, this wasn't just a victory that happened then. This forest is, is now at risk all over again. Well, yes, and I thought that, um, I think history is instructive, so I think that we could learn from the strategies that were employed in the 80s and 90s. And um, even though the context has changed, so now we're dealing with climate change, the laws have changed. um, uh, So so the context has changed, but there's still lessons to be learned. And so while that needs to be a story that's preserved, it's also um, a story that we can learn from. And so that's really important. And I thought that was uh, pretty critical. Um, I also think this proposal is invigorating. It's such an act of futuring and really important to share with people and have them answer the question for themselves, what is the future of public land? What should public land be, be doing 
um, right now, given this context. And it's not a question that we typically ask ourselves. But this is our land. This is public land. And we should be a part of the decision making. And that's not happening with the Forest Service. And we have experiences where we have tried to have dialogue with the Forest Service, and that's failed. Hmm. So um, now we have to move in a different direction. And, and this proposal is, is a, a wonderful direction to move in. So the, the documentary um, intentionally doesn't provide a solution. It asks the question at the end. I mean, we see John saying, I'm going to struggle and, and uh, against this logging, but it doesn't say you need to do A, B, and C. It, it intentionally says um, and asks the question about, well, what do you think about public land and what's next? And so it's a tool. And after the screening, we typically have a panel of people talking about this new idea, but also asking these questions of the audience because it's meant to create dialogue. And so the panel after the film is, is critical, I think. And also the photographs that folks have of what's happening on the forest right now, that when you enter a screening, you'll see these beautiful photographs um, and um, this installation that's created by Karen Fraley and several other people that tells us you know this beauty this it, it, it they're examples of the beauty of the shawnee national forest juxtaposed against the destruction and so it really communicates powerfully um what we're up against and then you see the film about this history and and it moves into um the current contexts and then there's the panel that uh that um at continues the dialogue because we really need people to be involved and so this is a way to really begin this conversation with folks. So if people are interested in becoming more involved or learning more about this or frankly just watching the film we should mention this Friday uh, that's April 1st at 6:30 p.m. Shawnee Showdown will be screened as part of the Yale Student Film Festival. There's going to be a Zoom panel that takes place at 8 p.m. that features John Wallace who of course is our guest today as well as others. So you can register to watch this um, and any other films in this festival for free. We have details about that on our website stlonair.show. We'll also tweet that out um, if you look for our Twitter at STL on air and you can look to join that um, that's happening again this Friday so John as Kate mentioned the history here this is history that we can learn from and there's so many things I found myself jotting notes down and watching what you guys did and, and how you pulled this off but I'm wondering what you see as, as big takeaways for people today who might be engaged in their own environmental fights um, or their own uh, methods of, of occupation, say, trying to stop the proverbial bulldozers. And there are many. It, it yeah. is, Kate has, the, the thing that she has created with the Shawnee Showdown is, is, um, is amazing. It, it creates a dialogue that we've never been able to create. Um, and and uh, it, it, the, the big, I guess the big takeaway is is don't get discouraged it because the powers that be are powerful and yeah. it isn't easy but push keep pushing and be deliberate and um, endless pressure endlessly applied is one of the best recommendations I can have don't give up keep keep pushing and and making those connections those those people that you think you don't have anything in common with you very well may may have an important thing in common with 
Well, John Wallace, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, thank you for having me, Sarah. And Cade Burcell, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having us. And Kate is a professor of cinema at Southern Illinois University Carbondale. Her new film is Shawnee Showdown, Keep the Forest Standing. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio. This episode was produced by Emily Woodbury with audio engineering and podcast design by Aaron Dorr. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. If you learned something new from today's episode, consider leaving us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the easiest way to help people discover our show. We appreciate it. Thank you. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association. Missouri produces wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details on the variety of products made in the state are at ChooseWood.com.